Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. We're going to do several things tonight. Now, I know that uh, what's uppermost on everybody's mind is this storm. And so we're going to talk about it. A good friend of ours posted something on Facebook that kind of intrigued me. And so I I thought, yeah, we're we're going to talk about that tonight. So we're going to talk about two different storms. Go with me over to um, Mark 4. Hallelujah. We're going to look at two different kinds of storms. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Let's start in verse 35. And the same day when the even was come, he said unto them, Let us pass over to the other side. And when they sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat unto the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the sleep of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say, Master, carest care not thou that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? You're going to find companion verses to this over in Matthew 8 and in Luke 8. And it pretty much, you know, says the the same thing. You know, there's some points in in this passage that I want you to see. Number one, in verse 35, Jesus said, Let us pass over to the other side. They got in that boat and got on that sea because Jesus said, go to the other side. We are going to the other side. See, it was his plan and his purpose to get them up to the other side because there was ministry to be done on the other side. Now, he knew what he had told them. He was fine with it. He laid down. He went to sleep. He had been ministering. He has a physical body. He was tired. He needed some rest, needed to recoup. So he left them in charge. He said, let us go to the other side. He didn't say, let us try to get to the other side. He said, let's hope, didn't say, let's hope we can get to the other side. He said, let us go to the other side. Now, he's resting. He's asleep. The winds and the waves begin, you know, and they couldn't handle it. Why? They were afraid. There is, there, is no, there is no faith where there is fear. If you look at, let's see, let's go to Matthew 8 real quick. Matthew 8 and verse 26. It said, he said to them, And why are you fearful, O ye of little faith? Go with me then to Luke 8. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, let everything be established. Matthew 8, I mean Luke 8 and verse 25. He said, where is your faith? 
And they, being afraid, wondered, saying one to another, What manner of man is this? See, there, in this particular storm, Jesus got up and rebuked the waves, rebuked the winds, peace be still, everything calmed down. Now, you can learn a lot here. First of all was that they were there at Jesus' direction. That was part of the plan of God was for them to go to the other side. Whenever there's a plan in place, the devil is always going to try his best to get in there and sabotage God's plan. So that's exactly what he did by bringing up this storm. Now, they could have handled it. They could have been fine. They could have let the waves roar and the sea blow. I mean, the wind, the wind rage and the sea rage and all that kind of stuff. They could have rebuked it. They could, they could have just been going, oh, this is fun. Remember our roller coaster? Whee! They could have enjoyed the ride, but instead they were afraid. And because they were afraid, then they had to wake him up and say, Jesus, help us. You know, he demonstrated to them what kind of authority they could have had. They didn't need to be afraid. Whether the winds had ceased or whether the waves had calmed down or not, they didn't have to be afraid. But yet they chose that path. You know, sometimes when fear, when circumstances get in our face, it just seems like we cannot see beyond it. And fear is what brings out in us the very thing that the enemy wants to keep from us, us from having, and that is faith. He wants to circumvent our faith. And fear will do it every time if you let the enemy have your, your faith. If you'll take a hold of fear, he's got you right where he wants you. But Jesus showed them that that didn't have to be. Now, that's one. Now, of course, you know, we know that when he got to the other side, they, they ministered to some people. So that's one storm. And see, today in today's world, Christians and non believers alike, you know, think, well, why can't you just speak to that storm? Why can't you just do this? Why can't you? Well, Jesus rebuked it and the waves ceased and the wind calmed down. Well, you know, there's more than one kind of storm. You know, the, that's, that, uh, they were at the direction of Jesus when they got in that boat. And he had authority because he had a job to do. He had a mandate. He knew he, knew he had an assignment on the other side. And so it was in his, be, in his power to, to, to take charge. And it really, the only people we know that were out there on that sea was his group. And he had authority in his group. And so I don't know, maybe the waves and the wind were still blowing and howling and doing all their thing, you know, five miles away. I don't know. It's a big, it's a big place. But right where they were, it was over. He took care of it. So I want you to see that. Now let's go, with, go over to Acts 27. Hallelujah. This is just an account of Paul being shipwrecked. You know, and some people would say, well, well Paul, you know, he, why didn't he just rebuke the waves and the wind? And, and why did he get shipwrecked? And, well, Jesus did it after all. Listen, there's two kinds of storms here we're talking about. The storm that came up because Jesus had ordained that they be where they were. And this one where he wasn't supposed to be there. Now, we know, if you look in Acts 27, back up into, into Acts 26, that they had brought Paul before King Agrippa, and he had demanded his right as a Roman citizen to stand before Caesar. And so King Agrippa was obliged to send him to Rome. So he had a centurion, and he entrusted Paul to that centurion and said, take him to Rome. So they get on a boat, 
and they get over to the city of Lycia, and the centurion there found a ship from Alexandria that was sailing to Italy, so they decided they'd get on that boat. And so they came in that boat, and they got over against another island. They sailed under Crete and got to a place called Lycia, and then they decided that they needed to move on because where they were wasn't a great place to winter. And in verse... Nine. I'm going to go switch to the Amplified, I think. And in, uh, it says, But as the season was well advanced, for much time had been lost and navigation was already dangerous, uh, for the time for the fast had already gone by, Paul warned and advised them, saying, Sirs, I perceive, after careful observation. I think that was a perception by the Holy Ghost. I believe that the Holy Ghost was telling him, Ah, that's not a good idea. But you see, Paul was not in charge. And he said, this voyage will be attended with disaster and much heavy loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but of our lives also. However, the centurion paid greater attention to the pilot and the owner of the ship than to what Paul said. Hmm, that was a bad mistake. And it goes on, it said, And as the harbor was not well situated and so unsuitable to winter in, the majority favored the plan of putting to sea again from thence, hoping somehow to reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete, facing northeast and southeast, and winter there. Isn't it amazing? Sometimes the group decides they know best. They know better. They get in agreement with themselves, and they won't listen to the one voice that has heard from God. And so, see, you find Paul in a situation because, not because of himself, but because of somebody else's choices. See, the disciples were there on that sea because Jesus said. Paul was there because some knuckleheads made a decision to get out into the sea that they had no business going in, even after they had been warned. And, you know, obviously, they did not hold much, much regard for what Paul perceived. I don't know how much time. I do know this. That this centurion, Paul had such favor with this centurion that King Agrippa had entrusted Paul to that he even let Paul loose to go have some time with his friends and acquaintances and tell them goodbye and, and do that kind of thing. Just, you know, have some fellowship time with his friends. He had that kind of favor with this centurion. So I kind of look at it and go, well, if that centurion had that much confidence in Paul, and, that, and he had shown that much favor to Paul, why would he not have listened when Paul said, Sirs, I perceive this voyage is going to be with much harm. Why did he decide to side in with the captain and the owner of the ship? I think he could have made a point. As a centurion of the army of Rome, I think he could have had some more influence there. But he chose to side in with people who thought they knew best, instead of somebody who had heard from God. Anyway, it goes on here. And uh, let's see, what verse were we in? Uh, and verse 13. So when the south wind blew softly, supposing they were gaining their object, they weighed anchor and sailed along Crete, hugging the coast. Isn't it a marvelous when somebody's making, in the middle of making a bad choice, the enemy will come along and send along circumstances that seem to side in with the choice they just made? Isn't that, isn't that always the case? You're making a bad choice, 
And so the enemy is going to try to come along and confirm that your choice was, it was, a, it was, this is a good choice. And so they heeded it, got that ship out there in there, in the sea. Verse 14, but soon afterward, a violent wind of the character of a typhoon called a nor'easter came bursting down from the island. And when the ship was caught and was unable to head against the wind, we gave up and letting her drift were borne along. We ran under the shelter of a small island called Cauda, where we managed with much difficulty to draw the ship's small boat on deck and secure it. After hoisting it on board, they used supports with ropes to undergird and brace the ship. Then afraid that they would be driven into the Sirtis quicksands off the north coast of Africa, they lowered the gear, that is the sails and the ropes, and were so driven along. As we were being dangerously tossed about by the violence of the storm, the next day they began to throw the freight overboard. And the third day they threw out with their own hands the ship's equipment, the tackle and the furniture. And when neither sun nor stars were visible for many days and no small tempest kept raging about us, all hope of our being saved was finally abandoned. Then as they had eaten nothing for a long time, Paul came forward in their midst and said, men, you should have listened to me. <laughs> you know, there's a time to say, I told you so. And there's a time when maybe you don't say, but I think, he, I think he was wise in what he said to them because he needed to get them to, to look back and to reflect on what he had said because there was more coming that he was going to need to say. He needed to say, you should have listened to me. He needed for them to see where he was trying to divert disaster, where he had been trying to keep them from harm, where the, the thing that he perceived was correct. He needed them to know that. And so he came to them and he said, uh, you should have listened to me. You should not have put to sea from Crete and brought this on this disaster and harm and misery and loss. Listen, that's what happens when we don't listen to the Holy Ghost in all of our decisions. We could save ourselves disaster, harm, misery, and loss. Anybody remember hee-haw? Kind of reminds me of that. What is that? Gloom, despair, and agony on high. Okay, yeah. Okay. I don't think Paul had seen, had seen uh, so hee-haw wasn't there around. So he didn't know. That. But that sounds what that says like that. And it says, but even now I beg you to be in good spirits and take heart. For there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. You know, when people make bad choices, God can rescue them, but there still may be some consequences. And that, for these people, is exactly what happened. It says, for this very night, there stood by my side, hallelujah, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve and worship. And he said, do not be frightened, Paul. It is necessary for you to stand before Caesar. And behold, God has given you. Listen to that. God has given you all those who are sailing with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith. Complete confidence in God that it will be exactly as it was told me. And so we shall have to be stranded on some island. 
The 14th night had come and they were drifting and being driven about in the Adriatic Sea when about midnight the sailors began to suspect they were drawing near some land. So they took soundings and found 20 fathoms and a little further on they sounded again and found 15 fathoms. Then fearing that we might fall off our course onto rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and kept wishing for daybreak to come. And as the sailors were secretly trying to escape from the ship and were lowering the small boat onto the sea, pretending they were going to lay out anchors from the bow, Paul said to the centurion and the the soldiers, unless these men remain in the ship, you cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut away the ropes that held the small boat and let it fall and drift away. You know, some people have to be rescued from themselves. There were some sailors who were about to just take their chances in the small boat. And Paul said, uh-uh, they, they can't leave. If, if they, I mean, God has said all of these, all of these, all of these, he will save with me. All of these, they'll save. If they leave, you know, I, I can't guarantee that. Anyway, it says, while they waited until it should have become day, Paul entreated them all to take some food, saying, this is the 14th day that you have been continually in suspense and on the alert without food, having eaten nothing. So I urge you to take some food for your safety. It will give you strength. For not a hair is to perish from the head of any one of you. Having said this, these words, he took bread and giving thanks to God before them all, he broke it and began to eat. Then they all became more cheerful and were encouraged and took food themselves. Listen, in the midst of anything that looks like it's disaster in the happening, disaster in the making, what you do... And what you say will either encourage people or it will let them just go down that road of panic. You can really be effective in a time like this. You can be effective where your coworkers are concerned, where your family is concerned, where people you just run into in the store are concerned. I have been amazed the last couple of days at, at what I've seen in the stores. I told Pastor when I talked to him, uh, I guess it was... Tuesday night, I said, uh, last night, I said, you, I said, what I saw, what I saw in Sam's today, it was, it was worse than any Christmas sale. It was worse than any day before Thanksgiving business. I mean, people are out there. I mean, they're just taking everything in sight. It's ridiculous. Lines are a mile long. You know, the gas stations are, I said, I, now, I appreciate the fact that people are taking this seriously. Because they looked at what happened, you know, two weeks ago in Texas, and they're taking note of that. And so they're not being flippant, because Floridians are known to be flippant when it comes to hurricanes. And uh, so uh, I said, I appreciate that, but, you know, you're, you're kind of on that borderline edge of people panicking. You know, and I hate to see that, you know. So, uh, so anyway, this is what happens, you know, when you take a stand, when you're calm, when you don't exhibit fear, when you don't exhibit panic, when you're there to encourage other people in the midst of it, you can make a difference to them. They may not know the same God you know, but I tell you, what you do know and what you say will affect them. And so we need to take advantage of that in these, in these days that were ahead of us, just like Paul did. Anyway, it goes on and it says... Um, Having said these words, he took bread and giving thanks to God before them all, he broke it and began to eat. See, I love the fact that he took it. He broke the bread. He gave thanks to God. Paul was a man who was acquainted with thanksgiving. Highly, intimately 
uh, passionately, life-savingly acquainted with what thanksgiving will do. What was it? Paul and Silas sang and gave thanks when they were in the jail. The earth shook. The bands fell off. I mean, I'm guessing he's thinking to myself, so what, I was in a jail before underground. Now I'm on the sea. Okay, what's the difference? There is no difference. He managed to give thanks. He, these people were able to see this man giving thanks. And just like his thanksgiving in the jail affected everybody in the jail, his thanksgiving on this boat affected everybody on the boat. Your thanksgiving isn't just for you. It doesn't just affect you. It has a power and a dynamic that goes well beyond you for the people who are encountering the situation, the same situation that you happen to be in. They need to hear it. So don't be shy. Be bold to thank God and to give him thanks. You know, I I take great issue with people calling hurricanes acts of God. Oh, man, it just, it just, it just, it just, it's like chalk on a blackboard to me. I can't stand it. There is one in this earth who is dominion over this earth at the moment, whose lease on this earth is short-term, and he is the one who comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Weather was intended to be a wonderful thing, and when the enemy got hold of this earth because Adam gave it to him, weather became perverted. That's why we see storms. You know, this, this, this planet should experience times of gentle rain, you know, pleasant winds. It should not be experiencing what we experience today. And it wouldn't be experiencing that if Adam hadn't given dominion over to Satan. But he's, 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 he's missed out on some things along the way, you know. So we're going to get to that. Anyway, um, they, in thir- verse 36, they all became more cheerful, were encouraged, took food themselves. All told, there were 276 souls of us in the ship. And after they had eaten sufficiently, they proceeded to lighten the ship, throwing out the wheat into the sea. And when it was day and they saw the land, they did not recognize it, but they noticed a bay with a beach on which they taken counsel, purposed to run the ship ashore if they possibly could. So they cut the cables, severed the anchors, and left them in the sea. At the same time, unlashing the ropes that held the rudders and hoisting the foresail to the wind, they headed for the beach. But striking a cross current, a place open between two seas, they ran the ship aground. The prow struck fast and remained immovable, and the stern began to break up under the violent force of the waves. It was the counsel of the soldiers to kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim to land and escape. But the centurion, here again, we see favor. The centurion, wishing to save Paul, prevented their carrying out their purpose. He commanded those who could swim to throw themselves overboard first and make for the shore, and the rest on heavy boards or pieces of the vessel. And so it was that they all escaped safely to land. Listen, there's some there are lessons to be learned here in this. Number one, concerning the ship, this wasn't Paul's stuff. It wasn't his stuff. He had already told them, don't go. He was trying to preserve them from loss, but it wasn't his stuff. The whole point of of Paul was getting to Rome. And to get to Rome, God was going to save him. He already knew that. He had, had number one, the assurance that he was doing what God had ordained for him to go do. And he had the assurance that an, an angel had come and appeared to him. I think I would take the word of an angel over anything else. You know, yeah, yes, sir, gotcha. 
I don't have to be concerned anymore. If you say so, I got it. No problem. We're done. So it wasn't his stuff. It wasn't his decision. God gave him an assurance that he was going to get to Rome. Uh, he had others' lives that he, you know, he doesn't necessarily have to be responsible for. But I believe God put him in that place so that he could save those people. What a testimony that was to everyone. You know, we don't hear anything about what happened to those people who were on that boat that were saved. But I can't help but imagine that that was a mighty powerful witness to them. You know, to, to see what had happened. That this man who said his God, because we don't know, amongst all those people that were on the boat, there were people probably who served a lot of different gods. There were probably a lot of heathens there. You can't, I, you can't say that there was probably many Christians on board. I don't see anywhere where anybody says, Paul, let's get in agreement. Yes, sir. You know, so he was praying for people who were not born again. And just like Abraham, who pled for that city of Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, Paul, I believe, stood in a place where he could be the Savior, be the avenue of, of somebody's physical safety because he was a believer, because he was a man ordained by God. You know, you're ordained by God to be here in this time, in this life, where you are. He has a purpose and a plan for you every single day. Don't be swayed just because storms come up. Don't be swayed just because it looks like it's not going the way it ought to go. You just be assured that the plan of God for your life is on course, and no matter what the enemy tries to do to blow you off course, God will set it right. And he will get you where you need to go. And you will be able to bring along some others with you along the path. Amen. Hallelujah. So we see this. I really began to read some other things here as I, as I went down into, into chapter 28. And I thought, God, you're just so good. In the middle of something that, okay, we, now we have a detour here of getting to Rome. It looks like, you know, they're shipwrecked and they've got, you know, now they've got to wait till another boat comes and picks them up. I mean, what are they going to do? God was still at work. God was still at work. In chapter 28, let's read it. After we were safe on the island, we knew and recognized that it was called Malta. And the natives showed us unusual and remarkable kindness. I'm going, natives? Really? That conjures up a picture of so different in my mind. I think the people of the island would sound better than the natives, you know. Uh, but anyway, the natives showed us unusual and remarkable kindness. For they kindled a fire and welcomed and received us all since it had begun to rain and was cold. Now Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and he was laying them out on the fire when a viper crawled out because of the heat and fastened itself on his hand. When the natives saw the little animal hanging from his hand, they said one to another, Doubtless this man is a murderer. For though he has been saved from the sea, justice, the goddess of the sea, avenging has not permitted that he should live. Then Paul simply shook off the small creature into the fire and suffered no ill effects. However, they were waiting, expecting him to swell up or suddenly drop dead. But when they had watched him a long time and saw nothing fatal or harmful come to him, they changed their minds and kept saying over and over that he was a god. In the vicinity of that place there were estates belonging to the head man of the island named Publius. 
who had accepted and welcomed and entertained us with hearty hospitality for three days. And it happened that the father of Publius was sick in bed with recurring attacks of fever and dysentery. And Paul went to see him. And after praying and laying his hands on him, he healed him. And after this has occurred, the other people on the island who had diseases also kept coming and were cured. They showed us every respect and presented us many gifts, honoring us with many honors. And when we sailed, they provided and put on board our ship everything we needed. In the middle of what looks like catastrophe, we're stranded on this island. Paul was able not only to be a witness and a minister, he left the gospel behind him in this place, a place he never really should have been. But, hey, wherever you are, you need to bring the gospel there. You need to, to show people the power of God at work in you. See, he showed, him, showed him it to them when this snake bit him. He showed them how the power of God was working in him. He was, he was a witness to the power of God just by what happened in his life right then. And then he was able to minister to somebody else. Minister to God. I know, he, I know he preached Jesus to them. He didn't just heal them without telling them who was the healer. I know he didn't leave there without telling them all about the one who was his master and his savior, his Lord, the one whom he served, the one that he belonged to. And so this island profited from the fact that Paul got shipwrecked. And so that's what we see. We see in two different storms the, this, this uh, whole scenario of the power of God. Now, in one, Jesus stands up, rebukes the sea and the wind, and everything calms down. In this one, Paul did not do that. God didn't tell him to do that. The difference was Jesus had ordained the first one. This one was ordained with decisions being made by other people. And so, though it wasn't Paul's stuff, he had no authority over their stuff. But he took responsibility for their lives. You know, and that's what's most important. I want you to know that when you're facing the bad situation, you know, we're, and we're going to believe God, you know, for this storm not to be the catastrophic thing that they're predicting. You know, we went through this last year with Matthew. But anyway, we need to do everything in the natural that we can to be prepared and to protect our homes but ultimately, you need to trust God. Ultimately, you need to trust God. Let me say it one more time. Ultimately, you need to trust God. You need to take your stand where fear is concerned. We may find ourselves in the midst of several hours of some bad winds. You know, you, maybe you see some tree stuff blowing around. But you need to trust God. And praise him. When fear tries to come on you, and it might, I want you just to start praising him. I want you to start thanking the God who is your salvation. That means perfect peace, protection, preservation, safety, deliverance. It means all of those things. You need to look to him, and you need to lift your hands and your voice, and you need to praise him if it comes to that. Yeah, you and I have authority over our things. Over our property. You know, this last year, Matthew came through, and uh, I was home alone again. Pastor was in Africa. I said, man, you got to stop this. <laughs> you know, and, and honestly, you know, I had fewer limbs and stuff down in the yard. 
you know, from that storm than I had we had ever seen in any other kind of a, even a bad thunderstorm. And so I was able to have it all picked up and cleared up before he got home. He didn't have to do anything. He was happy. And, uh, you know, that's the way it ought to be. Dan has seen storms come through, and his property people all around him have major tree damage, and he didn't. Listen, that is your place of authority to take your stand where your things are concerned. Now, concerning the church, it's not just the pastoral staff's place to take authority over this building and over this property. You, as a member of this body, you, it's your responsibility to join with us to pray and take authority over what the enemy might try to do as far as damage to this place. And so we expect you to join us in that. We're going to be praying here in a few minutes. And so, uh, so I wanted to go over that with you and uh, talk to you about those two different kinds of storms. Because I've seen it. I mean, there's the craziest mess on Facebook. I, you know, people are so stupid. <laughs> what can I tell you? They're, just, they're so religious and so stupid that sometimes it just, it just amazes me. I say, well, thank God at least they're born again. They'll get, a, they'll get educated when they get to heaven because obviously they're not getting it down here. I, I don't know. You know, it is not God's judgment on anybody. It was not God's judgment on Houston. It was not God's judgment on New Orleans when Katrina came through. It was not God's judgment on anybody in Miami during Andrew. These kind of things come strictly from the pit of hell. You know, and so, well, why? There are Christians who have things that happen to them. Well, you know, do they know their authority, number one? Do they know their authority? And let's face it. It's up to them to know what belongs to them. It's up to them to, to stay out of fear. It's up to them to, to listen to the Holy Ghost. A lot of lives may, may be at jeopardy because people won't listen to what God's trying to tell them to do on the inside. If God says, get up and leave, you get up and leave. Uh, there, was a, there was a story, I don't know which storm it was. Um, somebody was, was it? Somebody gave a testimony here about how they were sitting. Oh, I know, it was Willie Blackshire during a storm that the Lord said, said to her, move. She was sitting in a particular place in the house, and we had a, you know, one of those bad summer thunderstorms. He, he said, move, and she got up and she moved, and a tree then fell you know, and damaged that part of the house. So if God talks to you, listen. Don't just listen, do. Don't be a hearer only, be a doer. You know, I can't tell you that there's not going to be at some point, you know, during the next few days that he's not going to give you some direction to do a specific thing. So if he does, do it. Just do it. Take authority over your house. Keep fear at bay. Keep your praise on your lips. Be ready to encourage somebody else who may not know what you know. And then be ready to minister to somebody in the aftermath. Be ready to be a witness, to be a testimony, to show them the power of God in your life and how the power of God can affect their lives. Amen. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. 
If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.